You're listening to Comedy Central. Live from Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah presents Votegasm 2020. The field narrows from 10 to 12. Wait, what? That can't be right. Democratic presidential debate ended just moments ago, and we are coming to you live, people, live right now. We're live. You don't believe me? Then take a look at this newspaper. You see that? <laughs> huh? Live. Now, we're gonna talk about what happened in the debate. But if you watched, you know that this was not a normal debate. This thing was supersized. There were 12 candidates on stage, an all-time record, which is a little weird. I mean, candidates aren't supposed to multiply as the debates go on. So please, America, remember to have your candidates spayed or neutered. We can't <laughs> handle any more. If you ask me, I think the Democratic Party is just too nice. That's how this happened. Like, the GOP would never do this. Like, they're literally canceling entire primaries right now to lock out other candidates. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Democrats are like a nightclub on a Tuesday. Everyone gets in. It's just like, you know? Yeah, it's just like, six guys in sandals? Come on in. Come on in. Now, before every debate, All the pundits and the commentators like to weigh in on what we should expect. But there is one pundit who always kills it. Hey, Twitter world, yours truly. Uh, Tonight we have the debates, 12 people on stage telling us uh, why we should vote for them. And I just hope that they spend their time telling us about their qualifications and their plans and why they should be voted for and not waste time talking about uh, innuendos and rumors uh, about the guy next to them. Yeah, man, nothing worse than innuendos and rumors. You know, people talking about who you're with and where your blood was found. <laughs> Let's just focus on the issues. So, coming into this debate, there have been a lot of new developments, right? Elizabeth Warren has surged in the polls. Joe Biden and his son have become targets of the Trump administration. Bernie Sanders had a heart attack. And last week, Pete Buttigieg snuck into his first R-rated movie. But... <laughs> By far, the biggest development since the last debate has been the impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump. So that was the first topic of the night. I don't really think this impeachment process is gonna take very long, because as a former prosecutor, I know a confession when I see it. This president had obstructed justice. This president on three occasions, three occasions, has invited foreign governments and heads of government to get engaged in trying to alter our election. We have to impeach this president. He lied to investigators, obstructed justice, fired James Comey, head of the FBI, tried to fire Mueller. The president 10 years or 100 years from now will look back at this moment and draw the conclusion either that no one is above the law or that a president can get away with anything. Okay, I hear what you're saying, but let's be honest. The way the planet is going in 100 years from now, the president isn't gonna be worried about impeachment. He's gonna be worried about the price of lizard blood. <laughs> and as for Biden, his question was a little different. He was asked why it's not okay for a president's family to be working with foreign businesses and foreign companies, but it's okay for a vice president's family to do. 
And I, I think I get where he was going, but it took a while for him to get there. Look, uh, my son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. My son's statement speaks for itself. What I think is important is we focus on why it's so important to remove this man from office. On the 17th, look, the fact that George Washington worried on the first time he spoke after being elected president, that what we had to worry about is foreign interference in our elections. Okay, one minute he's talking about his son, then it's George Washington, then something about the 17th. Like, Joe Biden is the only candidate who remixes his speech while he's giving it. <laughs> he's just like, removing this man from... Seven on the 17th, and the fact that the fact that... It's like a weird thing that he does. And aside from impeachment, aside from impeachment, healthcare was a major topic tonight, with the standard debate about whether government-run insurance should be an option or the only option. But the thing that got the crowd going was when the OG of Medicare stepped into the game and showed everyone <laughs> why they should put respect on his name. The issue is whether the Democratic Party has the guts to stand up to the healthcare industry, which made $100 billion in profit, whether we have the guts to stand up to the corrupt, price-fixing pharmaceutical industry, which is charging us the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs. And if we don't have the guts to do that, if all we could do is take their money, we should be ashamed of ourselves. Bernie Sanders. You can't deny. You cannot deny. No one speaks about healthcare with the passion that Bernie does. I also have a suspicion that that's the same speech he gave every time the nurses try to give him pills. He was like, no more pills. I have the guts to stand up to the pharmaceutical industry. I just need a nap. I'll be fine. <laughs> now, you probably didn't notice tonight, but one of the 52 candidates on stage was Tom Steyer, right? Hedge fund billionaire and scarecrow from Oz. And <laughs> most people, most people only know Steyer from his TV ads where he calls on President Trump to be impeached. And if you think about it, it's a pretty cool perk of being a billionaire. You can just buy ads on TV and make everyone listen to what you want to talk about. Yeah. Like, if I was a billionaire, my ads would just be petty, you know? I'd be like, hello, I'm billionaire Trevor Noah, and my Thai food was supposed to be here half an hour ago. Please, somebody call the restaurant for me and see where it is. Anyway, you may remember, Bernie Sanders a few weeks ago made headlines by saying billionaires should not exist. So, of course, the moderators asked Tom Steyer, an actual billionaire, about Bernie's comments. And his answer was not what you'd expect. Senator Sanders is right. There have been 40 years where corporations have bought this government, and those 40 years have meant a 40-year attack on the rights of working people and specifically on organized labor. I was one of the first people on this stage to propose a wealth tax. I would undo every Republican tax cut for rich people and major corporations. Yes, the billionaire just said the government needs to tax the shit out of billionaires. And you saw Bernie's face. He was like, is this a trap? Is this a joke? <laughs> what, what? He's taking my thing. You can't take my thing. <laughs> and it, you know, it seems weird, but when you think about it, it actually makes sense. If you're already a billionaire, you don't want more billionaires. Yeah, it makes it less special. You'd be like, yeah, tax them. I don't want them becoming billionaires. <laughs> Yeah, it's the same way I think America has enough South African late-night comedians. Like, yeah, zero was too few, and one is more than enough. We get it. Apartheid. We get it. Move on. We get it. One is enough. So, the debate then moved to foreign policy. 
In particular, President Trump's decision to pull troops out of northern Syria. And although all the Democrats had different proposals on how they thought they would handle the conflict in the area, they all agreed on one thing, that Trump is doing it wrong. What this president has done is that he has sucked up to dictators. He has made impulsive decisions that often his own team doesn't understand. What he has done is wreck our ability to do foreign policy because nobody in the world will believe this pathological liar. This president is caging kids on the border and effectively letting ISIS prisoners run free. This president has betrayed American values, turning the moral leadership of this country into a dumpster fire. We have an erratic, crazy president who knows not a damn thing about foreign policy. Oh, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. You may not like Donald Trump, but you can't say he doesn't know a damn thing about foreign policy. Because unlike Trump, not one of these Democrats has congratulated the country of Nambia on their healthcare system, right? And maybe that's because there is no country called Nambia, but that's not the point. <laughs> The point is none of one of you can find it on a map. <laughs> now, since the debate was in Ohio, the moderators also spent time focusing on the opioid epidemic, which has ravaged the Buckeye state. And the candidates had different thoughts on the problem, but many of them agreed on who should help solve it. Let's go over after these pharmaceutical companies for what they've been doing to destroy our country. They are nothing more than some high-level dope dealers. Until we hold those responsible accountable for their actions, Purdue Pharma, Johnson & Johnson, we're gonna continue to have this problem. The people that should pay for this, that should pay for the treatment, are the very people that got people hooked and killed them in the first place. And that is the people that are manufacturing these opioids. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree with Klobuchar. Drug companies should have to pay to rehabilitate all the people that they got addicted, oftentimes on purpose. And you know what? It shouldn't just be drug companies, every industry. If you create something addictive, you should be responsible for making it harder to consume, like Oreos. <laughs> if they're gonna make those cookies so goddamn addictive, the least they could do is after like every fourth cookie, put a mousetrap inside, bam! <laughs> Slows the addiction down. Ah, I'll try again tomorrow. Yeah, or like Pornhub, Pornhub. Every hour that you're on there, they should randomly pop up a picture of your grandmother. Just be like, be like, ah, I guess I'm done. Hi, Nana. But the elephant in the room the whole night was Bernie's heart attack. And eventually, the moderators got around to asking about it in a very, very awkward way. There is a question on a lot of people's minds, and I want to address it tonight. You're 78 years old, and you just had a heart attack. How do you reassure Democratic voters that you're up to the stress of the presidency? If you're elected, you will turn 80 during your first term. Last month, former President Jimmy Carter said he could not have undertaken the duties of the presidency at 80 years old. Why are you so sure that you can? If you win the presidency, you would be the oldest president ever inaugurated in a first term. You would be 71. Congresswoman Gabbard, you're 38 years old and you would be the youngest president if elected. Should age matter when choosing a president? Okay, okay, is it just me? Or did the moderators ask everyone about their health just to hide the awkwardness of them asking Bernie? <laughs> right, because they're like, Bernie, heart attack. And they're like, but everyone, everyone, everyone. I even like get the part about asking people about being too old, but asking Tulsi Gabbard about being too young, is that really a concern? Tulsi, uh, are you too fit and vibrant for the presidency? <laughs> is it possible you might die of young age? And that, and that wasn't the weirdest part of the night. The weirdest part of the night might have been when Kamala Harris started a real-life Twitter beef. 
Senator Warren, I just want to say that I was surprised to hear that you did not agree with me that on this subject of what should be the rules around corporate responsibility for these big tech companies, when I called on Twitter to suspend Donald Trump's uh, account, that you did not agree, and I would, I would urge you to join me. Twitter should be held accountable and shut down that site. It is a matter of safety and corporate accountability. Thank you. Senator Warren, you can respond. So, look. I don't just want to push Donald Trump off Twitter. I want to push him out of the White House. That's our job. But the way join me in saying that his Twitter account should be shut down. Let's figure out. No. (laughs) Wow. Someone's mad they didn't get a retweet. What happened there? He's like, you didn't. You didn't say the thing with me. Elizabeth's like, no, I don't care about that. And I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I kind of understand Warren's point here. Like, we need Trump on Twitter. It's the only way we can monitor what he's up to. <laughs> yeah, otherwise he's doing that shit in secret. You gotta think of Twitter like a presidential baby monitor. That's what you gotta think of it as. Yeah, the whole time you look at it, you're like, hold on, hold on. He's awake and he wants to nuke a hurricane. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. <laughs> but Harris, Harris wasn't the only one picking a fight with Elizabeth Warren tonight. No, in fact, as the evening went on, the attacks on Elizabeth Warren only grew more intense. I wanna give a reality check here to Elizabeth, because no one on this stage wants to protect billionaires, not even the billionaire wants to protect billionaires. Uh, We just have different approaches. Senator Warren is is more focused on being punitive or, or pitting some part of the country against the other. Your signature, Senator, is to have a plan for everything, except this. I appreciate Elizabeth's work, but again, Um, the difference between a plan and a pipe dream is something that you can actually get done. Damn. Elizabeth Warren might have an even bigger target on her back now than Joe Biden. And it makes sense. I mean, she's risen to the top of the polls, and now her competitors have their sights set on her. And that really was the big takeaway of tonight, is that they're coming for you, Elizabeth. And all I can say is, I hope you got a plan for that. We'll be right back. (laughs) tonight, co-hosts and executive producers The Circus on Showtime. She's also a CBS News special correspondent and contributing editor of The Atlantic. Please welcome Alex Wagner. Welcome back. All right, let's uh, jump straight into it. My favorite question to ask because it's not a real thing. Who won the debate? (laughs) You know, I... I... I feel like Elizabeth Warren survived the debate and she was taking on a lot of incoming fire. So I'm gonna say she won it, but there... I mean, it's hard when you have... That Democratic field, you've made note of how many of them there were on that stage. It was like, you know, when you pour water on gremlins and they just start, like, multiplying? (laughs) It was like... It was hard for people to get a word in edgewise. She came prepared to push back. I thought she got a lot more fire than she would, given the fact that technically Joe Biden, up until a few days ago, is the guy that's been leading in the polls. Right. What was amazing about the debate is how little he seemed to matter to the rest of the field. Joe Biden didn't get any of the incoming fire that Elizabeth Warren got. He he almost got no attention from. Is the that rest is that a bad sign? Yes, almost? I think because if you're Joe means, Biden. Yeah, because that means the other people don't yeah. think you're a threat, which means you're not. Not a, a threat. threat. Yeah, I mean, I think there is. It is a gift and a curse, uh, to paraphrase Jay Z, to be to be in the hot seat, right? right. Uh, Elizabeth Warren 
likes being acknowledged as a front runner. She doesn't like taking on all the criticism that she got, mm -hmm. I'm sure. Joe Biden, I'm sure, wishes a little bit more of that fire was coming his way. It was a remarkable turn of events given where we were in the last Any debate. standouts? There's always a debate moment where someone goes, wow, this was the moment where you got that little 2 3% bump yeah. that could be the difference later on in the race. Between Anyone? being a 1% candidate and a 4% yeah, candidate. Yeah, it makes a difference. matters at this point. Um, I think, you know, with Biden's dissent, I think, at least narratively, there is an opening for a centrist moderate candidate. And you saw a lot of energy being put forth by Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg mm -hmm, tonight. Mm -hmm. They came with a lot of, I don't know, maybe paprika on their oatmeal today at breakfast because right. they were ready yeah. to go. And they kept on saying, like, the Midwest, as, as somebody from the Midwest, as somebody, like, yes. they kept on... Centrism. Exactly. Middle of the country, middle, middle of the road. Yes. I'm not crazy. Right. And that was basically the subtext of every one of their answers. Like, they're cray, I'm not, vote for me because we need someone who's not cray and gonna win. Right. And I think that they had added momentum tonight beca precisely because Biden is bruised at this moment. When you watch these debates, I mean, it's three hours of all of these people on stage putting forth their ideas. They're going back and forth. What was interesting is everyone was going back and forth. And every time Cory Booker would speak, he'd be like, guys, 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 <laughs> we shouldn't argue because the president likes this and it's bad. But I was like, but that's a debate. That's what a debate is. Right. I thought that was hand-wringing was so weird. People it was were getting like, he kept so on saying faux, it. faux offended. Yes. Like they were just like, this is like, don't, don't speak to me in that tone of voice. Right. And it was like, did you get the memo that the point of this is to speak to each other in that tone of voice? I mean, <laughs> I do think that there is a, a, an emotional battle happening, unfolding inside the Democratic Party today, which is how do you lead the country forward? What mm -hmm. does this party stand for? And it's a big playing field between the center of the party and the left flank of the party. And that needs to be litigated. And that's what this primary is about. So yeah, people should disagree because at the end of the day, there needs to be someone that represents the Democratic Party, and we don't know where the party is right now. It's interesting that you say the left flank specifically, because um, just today, like there's news that's come out that uh, AOC plans to endorse Bernie Sanders yeah. and appear with him at a rally in Queens, New York on Saturday. That is pretty big. AOC is I thought one it was rising... gonna be Lizzo. He was like, there's gonna be a special guest. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, AOC is cool too, but. But she does who's not. Who's gonna move yeah, those she doesn't votes. rap, she doesn't rap, I get it. Um, it does seem like a, like a major mini moment, you know, because sure. at this, you know, Bernie Sanders is one of the big players in AOC's life, her political life. Mm -hmm. And so now her coming out for him does sort of put him on the pedestal as the left wing of the party. Yes? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a blow to Warren as much as it is a boon to Sanders. I mean, the fact that Warren is the one with the momentum. She's a woman. Not that that needs to be who women endorse, but the fact that she didn't get that endorsement right. is going to be as much of a story as Bernie getting the endorsement. But let me ask you this, though. Do you think it could actually help Warren? Because here's something I've noticed mm, is mm. you've got AOC coming out saying, I'm with Bernie. Right. You've got Fox News and Republican outlets who have been trying to paint Warren as Bernie. Right. Now you have AOC Lefty saying, no, Liz. Bernie is my person. Sure. And AOC is painted as the crazy left of the thing. And so now you've got Elizabeth Warren who has a space where she's carved herself out as, no, I have a plan, but I'm not as left as Bernie. I'm also going to give you progressive policies. Does it actually help her? That is like a seven layer ninja, like mind jujitsu Sunday. <laughs> and I appreciate it, Trevor. I think she's probably more just like bummed that she didn't get AOC's endorsement. <laughs> but 
I mean, I think probably there's some like residual after effect that is right. positive for her. I, I think it bears mentioning in this moment that AOC worked on Sanders' campaign in 2016. Um, the reason she ran for office in 2018 is because she was recruited by a group that grew out of Sanders' campaign. Mm -hmm. So she clearly feels some affinity there. And maybe, I don't know, he promised her a vice presidency. I don't know what was in the bag to sweet. I'm kidding about that. I don't have any reporting <laughs> to suggest that they're running together. Although you would have to pick someone pretty young. Um, uh, so, so all of that is to say, um, I think it's a good and important thing for Bernie to get that endorsement as there are a lot of doubts about his staying power in the race right now. So the debate is done. We just watched the fourth debate. Are Americans learning anything from these debates? Is the needle being moved in any particular direction or has it just become rhetoric? Like when you're watching, just as an observer who is both you know, in the world of news, but also as somebody who's just involved in politics and as an American. Are you watching that going, huh, that does change my mind, or huh, that actually would move the needle? You know, I think this debate gets, or these debate series are getting dinged for being, you know, the too many gremlins on stage, et cetera. I'm dinging them myself. But at the end of the day, I do think that there is some, sub there is some substantive debate about healthcare policy. Yes. We didn't see anything on the environment or immigration tonight, but we've seen that in previous previous debates. I mean, I think you have a bunch of people on stage who very care, care very deeply about policy and mm -hmm. want to talk through it and understand this moment for the Democratic Party. So I do think there's meat in there. I think there should be fewer questions like, hey, old person, are you too old? And young person, are you too young? I mean, nobody up there is going to be like, you know what? I am too young for this. <laughs> I am too old for this. Take me out, coach. Like, no more of those questions. Right. Overall, I'm giving this a strong B minus in terms of substance. It was a pretty good debate. B minus from you is an A for many people. You're Thank welcome. you so much for joining us on the show again. Great having you back. The Circus and Sundays at 8 p.m. on Showtime. It's a really fun show. Alex Wagner, everybody. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.